Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. One of the most famous stories in the Bible, as well as in secular culture, is that of David versus Goliath. It's a classic description of the underdog defeating the mighty giant. While most of us know this story, do we really understand the underlying details that brought it about and the character of David that allowed him to stand up for God? You see, this is not just an underdog story. It's a story of the genuine faith of one person who is willing to stand against those who taunted and blasphemed our living God. Do you have faith like David? Are you willing to stand alone against the forces of evil who scoff at God and his word? Are you willing to be used by God to do the impossible? I'm Debbie Blank. Today, we want to examine this story more carefully, all the while asking ourselves if we're willing and able to stand in David's shoes. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. There are powerful giants in our world today, global, national, and locally organized, who are right now in our faces, bold, brazen, and arrogant. They intimidate, brag, and openly taunt Almighty God. These forces have been around for a long time, but are no longer hiding their very real intention to destroy us, our faith, and our future. With the global pandemic as an example, the sudden revelation of this kind of power over us left many people shell-shocked and not knowing what to do to push back. How can any regular individual step forward against such odds? Well, we could start by asking how a simple shepherd boy could possibly step forward against a giant of a man who had intimidated an entire army. And we can ask what his story can mean to us today. A simple shepherd boy. How would we define ourselves? Would it be in those terms? And yet God used him mightily to do the impossible because with God, all things are possible. Now, the first time we're introduced to David in the scriptures, it's not by his name, but it's by his character, as well as God's prophetic plans for him. We're told in 1 Samuel 13, 14, that when the prophet Samuel approached King Saul after Saul had disobeyed God, that Samuel told Saul, now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people. Right there we see what David's character was like. He was a man after God's own heart. And God's telling us that he had already appointed David to be king, even though it wouldn't happen for another mm, maybe 15 to 18 years. So what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, let's look at David at that time. When he was called that, he was a youth. He was maybe 12 or 13 years old. His job was to tend his family's sheep. Now that's about the lowest job you could have in a family at that time. But he was given that responsibility at that young age. So imagine he spent a lot of time alone in the field with the sheep. What would you do when you're just 
kind of standing around watching sheep graze and making sure they're not stolen by someone or eaten by an animal. Clearly, David used his time wisely. As we read many of the Psalms, we can see his heart as he wrote them, but that heart was developed while he was in the wilderness getting to know God, seeing God's nature, seeing the many things that God was doing, spending time in prayer, building a relationship with God. Now, I wonder if we, in this day and age, if we had that kind of time, would we use it that wisely? But he did. And it wasn't just getting closer to God. He developed skills. He obviously became an excellent sling shooter. He had confidence in what he did in protecting his animals, that he killed a lion and a bear in so protecting them. So sometimes we think our wilderness times are just that. They're boring. There's nothing to learn. Why are we here? But David used his time wisely, and it is because he did that he became a youth after God's own heart, not just a man, but a young man who truly loved the Lord and knew him and understood him, or he couldn't have said and done the things that he did. And he learned those skills and also learned who to depend on in order to use those skills. It wasn't just David. He knew that all along as he refers later on to the one who helped him defeat the bear and the lion. Being a shepherd could be a very lonely business, but he was never alone. He had that relationship with the Lord that he honed, as well as some of these other skills. Consider also that David was the youngest of seven sons. Clearly, he was not respected because of that lineage that he had. Because when Samuel came to the family, to Jesse, his father, and said, I want to have a meal with you. I want to sacrifice with you and your family. And Samuel asked for Jesse to bring forward all of his sons. And Jesse brought forth six of his sons, but not the seventh. So Samuel said to him, do you have any other sons? Knowing that God had not chosen any of the first six. And they had to send out to the field and bring David because he was really not respected or at least considered the least of the family. But even with those trials in his life, David learned courage by protecting his sheep, but also in the relationship he had within his family. So we see David as a young man who loved God passionately and who God used because of that. But David's not the only one in Scripture. We could look to Timothy, where Paul called Timothy a young man and encouraged him in his faith and in his service. We can see other examples in people like Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, Jeremiah said to the Lord God, Behold, I don't know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to him, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah was a youth, and as we read his stories in Jeremiah and Lamentations, we see how mightily his heart was turned toward God and how he served God faithfully from the time he was a youth. And Josiah, we're told in 2 Kings 22, was eight years old when he became king. And yet he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, David. So even at the young ages that David was and these other people were, 
God used them because he saw that they had a heart for God. What does a heart look like? Knowing God, loving God, walking with God, trusting God, obeying God is huge. Repenting when wrong, which is what David did. Worshiping God, seeing God in life, and getting to know him intimately. Basically, putting God first. That's what it takes to be a man or woman after God's own heart. All of those things that you mentioned are actions. So we're not talking about a passive faith here. We're talking about an active relationship with the Lord and one that you can follow through with actions of your own. And as we read scripture and know about life, we're never too young to be used by God, as we've seen in those examples. And we're never too old to be totally surrendered to God, too, to put him first in our lives. You see, how long did David have to get to know God? Obviously, less than 12 years. So it doesn't take long for us to turn to God wholly and completely if we're willing to do that. Matthew 6, 33, we're told, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. That's all we need to do is seek God first. Trust in him, rely on him. And remember, no matter what our age, too young we might think or too old we might think, God's the one who equips us. He called for the anointing of David as king when he was so young, but when he did, the Holy Spirit came upon David from that day forward in 1 Samuel 16, 13. So it was God through his Holy Spirit who strengthened David, gave him the courage to stand up for God, no matter what the circumstances. And that same spirit who made David a mighty warrior and a king and equipped him to do all that God called him to do, that same spirit lives inside you and I if we are followers of Jesus Christ. That spirit is the one who gives us the power. Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the earth. And that power that we have from the Holy Spirit is God indwelling inside of us. The word in the Greek is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. So it's explosive power to do whatever God calls us to do. Look at the miracles of the New Testament or even the Old Testament. Those people could not have done them on their own. They did them through the power of God. And you and I can too. So what we really do need is just a willing heart, that relationship with the Lord and a willing heart to do what he's about to equip us to do. Sometimes people are equipped immediately. Their assignment comes along really quickly and they know what God wants them to do. At other times, people have had to be patient. They've been given the call, but there's a time of preparation that they need to go through before God actually brings about what he wants you to do. And what he wants you to do isn't just a one-time occurrence. David's life wasn't over once he conquered Goliath. That was just the beginning. He had to trust God and grow with God for the next 55 years of his life as he served God as a warrior and king. And we know, because he fell a few times, that he turned away from God. But when he did, he asked forgiveness. God forgave him because it was a genuine repentance. But during the other times in his life, he served God faithfully. 
So again, it's not just a one-time occurrence. It's a lifestyle forever once we make a commitment to God. Well, let's turn now to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and take a look at what we can learn from the story of David and Goliath. David came into the battlefield with the Israelites versus the Philistines because his father sent him there with provisions for David's brothers. He was to give them the food and the report back to dad, the welfare of the brothers, as well as how the battle was going. That tells us that David went to the battlefield, but he was too young to battle. And yet he was the one who would defeat Goliath. The key here is that a lot of people would have been afraid to go to the battlefield because of how dangerous it was. But we must first, as David was, be willing to go out to the battle. And he did. So while he was there, David heard Goliath challenge Israel when Goliath said, quote, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Well, that's quite an intimidating statement. And the fact of the matter is he's threatening them, but he's threatening them with a lie. Because later, when David did kill Goliath, that the Philistines didn't surrender and become their servants. So Goliath was just using a lie to intimidate the Israelites and make them have some kind of hope that they could defeat Goliath and the Philistines would finally be their servants. But that was never the plan because Goliath knew in his heart that they would never defeat Goliath and the Philistines. So we have to be careful to see threats for what they are and to see a lie for what it is. Just because someone promises that they will react a certain way doesn't mean it will happen. There are a lot of empty threats out there, so we need to be aware of that. And also, we can become concerned about the name-calling that goes on. He is intimidating them. He's making them feel less than. And that happens in our culture today, too, doesn't it? That's why people use name-calling, because they try and intimidate and get people to be afraid and to back down from what they should be doing. Goliath was highly intimidating just by how he looked. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. His armor that he wore weighed 125 pounds. That's what scripture says. And the Bible tells us because of that, that the Israelites were greatly afraid of him and fled from him. That's where, again, the enemy is using fear and intimidation. But David, when he heard this, he asked the Israelites, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? What a statement. When he says uncircumcised Philistine, he's saying that Goliath is a pagan. He doesn't know the true God of Israel. So he's calling him what he is as a pagan. How could he taunt God, the one who created everything, the one who called the Israelites to be his own people, the one who had protected him, and yet he's taunting Israel, who are the people of the living God. And David took that to heart. He was mortified that this pagan would do that and that the Israeli army wouldn't do anything to stop him. Because David didn't see the Philistines as fighting the Israelis. He saw the Philistines as fighting God. 
And David could not tolerate that. Well, Goliath depended on his size and his prowess compared to the other people there. He thought he was going to be able to win, and also he appealed to his gods. David heard that. It was like, you don't have anything compared to the Almighty God and the covenant people of the Almighty God. And so that actually just built the confidence of David. We should be like David in that he was mortified when people spoke or acted against his God. Are we mortified when people follow their pagan gods, call to their own personal morality instead of the God of the Bible and following scriptures? Or do we just say, well, that's the way the culture is? David didn't tolerate it, and he was willing to take action. So David was taken to the king. David said to King Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. David was willing to take a stand. Now you can imagine this kid walking up to the king of Israel. He first had to make himself known, and he did that by questioning who Goliath was and being willing to stand up against him. But then he took a stand in front of the king and was willing to fight. I think of Joshua 1.9, where we're told to be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that was certainly David's attitude. So David was able to have, again, that confidence. You see his confidence being built so that he's not standing before the king trying to sell something that he's not absolutely certain of. That's right. And so King Saul did what King Saul would normally do. And that is, he says, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth while he is a warrior and has been from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard, struck him and killed him. So it was hand-to-hand combat that David used to kill the lion. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taught at the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. How's he going to respond? So David needed to convince the leaders, the king in this case, of God's ability to work through him and give him kind of his resume of how God had already done that. David trusted in the Lord, knew God would deliver him and the army through him, not by his strength, but by God's. So Saul, again, did what he thought was right. He tried to give his armor to David. But David, when he put on the armor, he couldn't even hardly walk because, as he said, he hadn't tested the armor. The armor wasn't made for him. It was made for Saul. So instead, David took the armor off, took his stick in his hand, and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Now imagine this little shepherd boy, young, in shepherd's clothes. He probably smelled, because shepherds did. All he has with him is a little pouch that has a sling in his hand and some rocks in the pouch. Goliath must have been laughing to himself. So he made fun of David. 
David was using his own resources, and Goliath couldn't see that that would be a threat to him. So when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also threatened David by saying, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. David responded by saying, You come to me with a sword and spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. Wow, he comes with this sling and some stones, but he's really coming to him in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of Israel. He knew that he had the victor on his side. Yes, he got to use what he was used to using, what he felt confident and comfortable in using, and also with the God that he was comfortable with, that he depended on. With the Lord, he had everything he needed. That's right. He came in God's power, not his own. He showed respect for God. He didn't shy away from using God's name, but he honored God, and he honored his people. David's response, it says, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. I will give the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistine this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. I'd be a little intimidated to make a statement like that, but he's already declared that he's going to have victory because of God. So he has to trust God. He has to know that God is going to do this. It's in his strength, God's strength, that is, not David's, to defeat Goliath. And he goes on to say in 1 Samuel 17, 47, He's doing this that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spirit for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David's making it clear he's doing this to give honor and glory to God so everyone, Philistines and Jews alike, will know the God of Israel and that it is God who delivers. It was David's purpose to honor and glorify God, not just to get the Israelites out of the situation they were in, but it was God's purpose to let the world know, to let the Philistines know, to let all know that there was a God in Israel, the living God of all the universe, because it's important that everybody knows God. So these demonstrations of God's power are to draw people to himself. I think about Jericho and how Rahab had heard about the exploits of the God of Israel, which made her open to listening to the spies and to helping them and ended up saving her and saving her whole family. So there's always this purpose of glorifying God, but also bringing more people to himself. That's God's heart is that we will know him. We will follow him. We will share him with other people. And how do we do it? Lots of ways, but one way is demonstration by our actions. And David certainly got the people's attention. So, of course, the battle happened. It happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David. That David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. I love it. He didn't shy away. He ran towards Goliath. And David put his hand to his bag, took him into a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Then David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in David's hand. 
Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. So Goliath was struck down by the slingshot and the stone to his forehead. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley. What a story that is of who our Lord and Savior is and what he can and will do through one person. You know, God calls you and I at different times in our lives. The question is, do we respond? And if we will do that and turn our hearts to God, he will change our lives inside and out. We can become men and women after God's own heart. We can know the God of the Bible intimately. We can serve him with all of our hearts. All we have to do is ask God what he would have us do and give us the ability to do it so we can speak truth about God in the public arena. You and I are just normal people, and yet God has called us to share his truths in a public arena here on the radio. We're no different than all of our listeners are, except that we have a platform and we want to use it for the glory of God so people will know about God. God calls each one of us who are followers of him to serve him, to walk with him, to obey him, to speak out against evil, to encourage other people in their walk with the Lord. We can share the truths with our children and our grandchildren so that they might be the next David. You look at Billy Graham. He was just a farmer's boy, and yet his parents were godly people who at one time held a prayer meeting in their farm area that was attended by numerous men in the community while the women were inside praying. And one of the prayers that day was that God would raise up someone, even someone from their community, that would share the gospel with the world. Little did they know it was going to be little Billy Graham in that community that God would raise up. And he could do the same thing with you and I. And you might say, well, I can't speak for God. I don't know his word well enough. I don't know him well enough. Don't worry about it. If you love God and you're a vessel that he can use, he will equip you and he will give you the words to say and he'll give you the strength to do it. Maybe you need to be active in social media about talking about God or about the things that are going on in this world and what the Bible says against them. Maybe God wants us to give public testimony or be actively involved in some groups that are standing for truth. Well, then we can also take action. We can change the narrative. I was really proud of a Princeton professor, Robert George, who decided to change Pride Month to Fidelity Month. So it's a month dedicated to the importance of fidelity to God, spouses and families, our country, our communities. That's a positive way to change the narrative and make a statement. We're only one person. We think we can't do much as one, but look what God did through David or through Billy Graham, or through Moses, or through Paul. Imagine what he can do through you, if you're willing to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Are we that person? Are we the one that God can use, who's a person after God's own heart, who knows God so powerfully that we're willing to stand up for him with all of our heart and do the right thing against anyone who taunts God in his word, 
If so, we need a lot of Davids these days because there's a lot of giants out there, as you said earlier, who are trying to destroy our country. God needs us all to be Davids. Will you be that David? Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.